The Lord Jesus said that Solomon, in all his splendor, was not arrayed as well as a lily. He said this to ease our worry and anxiety and inspire our trust in how the Lord provides. Yet scripture and our hymn for this evening compare our Lord Jesus Christ to a flower. Our Lord Jesus is the branch coming from the stump of Jesse, and some see the Lord Jesus as the rose or crocus or even lily of Sharon, a coastal plain, that's Sharon by the way, a coastal plain north of Tel Aviv, modern day. In the midst of a desert even, the Lord can make the flower flourish. Jesse is the father of kings. His son is none other than David. David received many promises regarding his descendants. In 2 Samuel 7, through the prophet Nathan, the Lord replied to David's plan to build him a house, a house for the Lord. And the Lord said, I will make you a house. How about that? When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring, singular, after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Your throne shall be established forever. There's almost a millennium, though, between King David and the birth of our Lord. The hymn says of the blooming rose springing from tender stem of Jesse's lineage coming as prophets long have sung. Long, long have sung. It was a long time. And in that long time, there was a lot of history. David's very own son, Solomon, is the last to reign under a unified kingdom. For David's grandsons, Jeroboam and Rehoboam, each reign over just a portion of the kingdom. Israel to the north, Judah in the south, with Jerusalem and the true temple in the southern portion. There weren't many bright spots in these reigns. Some, to be sure, but not the majority by far. There was plenty of materialism, idolatry, mixed in with false worldly beliefs. But the prophets remained consistent in their song. God wasn't lying when he made promises to David. The king would come. The darkness would be met by the brightness of this floweret, the tiny bud laid in a manger and in Mary's arms on that half-spent night in Bethlehem. During the time of the prophet Isaiah, things were really going poorly for the northern kingdom. I suppose it didn't look that way, though. At first, 
when you look at it, great economy, business booming, everything seemed to be going along quite well, just fine, never mind you, God Almighty. We've got it under control. But Isaiah told of this destruction and impending destruction of the southern kingdom of Judah as well by Babylon. The destruction to the north was going to be from Assyria because the Lord could see through all the prosperity and he saw through to what it really was, rotten, full of sin. And the Lord prepared Assyria to bring judgment on that northern kingdom before later bringing judgment through Babylon on the southern kingdom. Now, I just spoke about judgment a whole lot. And for all those notes of judgment, the prophet Isaiah continued to bring the promise of the coming Messiah. As the hymn says, Isaiah twas foretold it, the rose I have in mind. Now that's quite clear from our first reading this evening. When he prophesied of the virgin conceiving, bearing a son, calling his name Emmanuel means God with us. And ah, with Mary, the virgin mother kind, we behold the prophecy's fulfillment. As the evangelist Matthew wrote, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. The hymn says a wonderful line that's easy to miss as we focus on all the fulfillment and the retelling of the Christmas story. Note the lyric. To show God's love aright, she bore to us a Savior when half spent was the night. To show God's love aright, she bore to us a Savior. The incarnation of our Lord shows God's love in the best and brightest way. There have been, there are, and there will be times when you are tempted to throw faith right into the trash. You'll wonder if God loves you, if God cares, if He's there if he even exists, read the Christmas story. Sing the Christmas hymns 
and Christmas carols. Recapture the wonder. And you may be stuck in doubt and despair. It is a pit that is very deep. But staring at a wooden manger with the holy infant in the straw, or staring at the wooden cross with the thorn-crowned king suspended and dying for you, then you see God's love aright. And then you may begin to smell the sweetness in the air, even if it's faint at first. The Lord Christ speaks his forgiving word to you, and we smell it with our ears, right? He reminds you of his love for you. He reminds you that he sympathizes with you in your weaknesses. He knows them all, even better than you. The very fact that the Son of God has a human nature as well tells you something very profound. Christ lightens the burden, pain, and weight of this world. It's off your shoulders because he has taken it all upon himself. The Lord Jesus knows our human woe, all of it. And maybe it's better said because it's just so comprehensive. Maybe it's better to hear it a little personally to say, the Lord Jesus knows your woe specifically. Because God fulfilled his promise, became man, suffered, died, was buried, rose, and ascended, he now fills all things, and as he is promised, through word and sacrament, he's present. The king reigns as he said he would, and his glorious splendor dispels the darkness with every word of absolution, with every bit of water and word and holy baptism, and every morsel of bread and sip of wine with his word, the Lord Jesus is present, forgiving sins, covering shame, taking away guilt, bringing his healing, and darkness is blasted away by his light. The true man and true God, the one person Jesus Christ, saves us from sin and death. If we are to talk about saving from sin and death, we should not only talk about how God accomplishes that now. We often want to do that. It's rather appropriate, right? It's, uh, we're a, a right-now culture, right? It's my money, and I want it now. It's my forgiveness, and I want it now, all right? <laughs> okay, fine. You've got it now in word and sacrament. But we also look around and see a whole lot of the enemy's works remaining in us and in others all around. And so we also then need to talk about final deliverance. And this is our prayer in the last stanza of the hymn. It broadens, doesn't it? Oh, Savior, child of Mary. What a lovely prayer, right? who felt our human woe. We acknowledge again that our Lord is not removed from our weakness. 
He is still true man, and he is still the one, the only one, who paid the penalty for the sins of the world. He knows all our weakness, sin, wickedness, sadness, grief. He knows all our pain. He knows yours. He knows this fallen world all too well. And he has done everything to remake it when he comes again in glory. And that will be the final deliverance. When he brings us to the bright courts of heaven and the new creation, to the endless day, where there is no more sin, sorrow, sickness, or death. It's such a sweet song to sing. And it's not just about the tune or the harmony, if you can figure that out. Please help me, okay? It's not a song of our making. No, that's not what makes it sweet. It's a song revealing our Lord Jesus Christ. The one born to save his people from their sins. That's why it's sweet. That's what fills the air. So let's fill the air with that sweetness. It's much better than the stench that we normally walk around in. Sin, hate, death, plaguing humanity. It's a green fog. A long-promised Messiah arrived. And so listen, God fulfills his promises, even if it's a millennium or more in coming. The Son of God became man, born of Mary, of the long line of David and Jesse, and even Adam. God loves you. God knows you and cares about you. He understands. He brings hope and he kindles your trust in him again. Oh, it's down to an ember. It's down to nothing at all. It needs be nothing at all for God to work. And the Lord Jesus forgives you, loves you, and brings to you eternal life. And that song fills the air. And we see God's words fulfilled now. We hear and believe his promises about delivering us into eternal life and the new creation. You see, in the midst of darkness, light shines. And out of a dead stump of a line, a little branch, then a little bud, and a little floweret. In the chaos and wickedness of this world, the good news has gone out again into your ears in this creation. Heaven has broken in again with its sweetness, with its truth. It's the lowly, beautiful way that the Lord works to save us from sin and death, to lighten every load. And it's a beautiful song to sing. Amen.